As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. He's getting close, but, you know, we all got to be real in this thing, and I think the learning curve of where he's at, he's at a great place. Are there still mistakes? Yeah, of course, but he learns from them, so now he can take that and use it the next time he's out there. It's Hogan Johns. I've just gotten more comfortable. I don't really get upset if I miss a throw. Yeah, I mean, I'm constantly growing every day. I know that I can make that throw. My goal is to just improve every day. There's always going to be things that I'm going to have to work on at the end of the day, you know, football is football. From NBC, NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam, Adam Ho. Justin, it just looks different. The ball just zips. From the, from the Athletic, it's Adam Adam Johns. His ability to put the ball consistently in areas for only his guy to get it. That's different. It's the Adams. Greatness doesn't happen overnight. You know, it's just, it's a process. Hogan Johns. The Adams converge. Let's begin now. What's up? Welcome in. Happy Labor Day weekend. Wanted to make sure we got one more episode out for you for the weekend. If you're traveling, be safe. But uh, glad you're taking us along with you. Hogan Johns with you and this podcast is brought to you by direct tv stream get your tv together with the best live and on demand learn more at directtv.com one more week to go monday is officially game week oh i i usually would be like wednesday is the, the real deal but monday the bears will be practicing and it'll be game week they'll be preparing for the los angeles rams out of jobs i would say they've been in game week preparation for couple days now yeah maybe even a little bit longer but this this is a unique break provided the players before the season a nice three-day getaway um, I don't I don't think coaches like it whatsoever uh, you'll have more players logging into their iPads than others I'm sure Andy Dalton will be doing some work but yeah this is to me this is like the last weekend of summer it's yeah. I always view Labor Day because once football starts the the weather starts to smell different there's a chill in the air, and it's football season, man. It's already kind of starting to do that. You know, at our football practices at Carmel, all of a sudden, it's the sun's going down. The lights are on by the time practice is over. I'm putting on a sweatshirt. Yeah, yeah. I love fleece weather. Like, early fall weather is probably my favorite attire part of the year. You, you know what I mean? Like, fleece weather? Fleece weather. You know, pullover weather. I call it short, pullovers. Shorts and sweatshirt weather. Yeah, shorts and hoodies. That's what, yeah, that's why I tell fine. my son. Yes. 
Yes. I love this time of year in terms of attire. Well, it does feel like football, and there is uh, plenty of football for us to discuss here at, at Adam Hogue on Twitter, at Adam Johns over there. You can read us. I'm on NBCSportsChicago.com. Johnsy on The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Hogue Johns, where you go to subscribe in this podcast is on the athletic we appreciate all of our loyal listeners you can be watching us on youtube as always that is an option for you if you want to see our faces it's a scary proposition but it is an option for you if you would like to do that just go to youtube subscribe to our channel hogan johns hit the notifications to find out when we go live uh and we have t-shirts up from obviousshirts.com. i'm wearing one today it's not a hogan john shirt but it's a it's a white sock shirt from obvious shirts. So there's plenty of options on there. You for wear you your well. white sock shirt. I'll drink out of my Cubs cup. You do have a Cubs cup. Souvenir cup. Wrigley Field. Yeah. So which one of us is winning that battle right now? <laughs> no comment. Uh, all right. What changed from two days ago? We somewhat forced a 53 man roster break. That way we do. Everything was going to change. <laughs> <laughs> what didn't change? Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, a lot did. I mean, but here's the, here's the thing: like, some things changed, but what really did? Like, what things changed that really impact what you're going to see? Well, I, I, well, there there is one. There is okay. one. It's, it's Danny Trevathan. Sure, we saw him play a lot in Nashville against the Titans. A lot, I would say, for a guy of his age, of his experience, of his value to this team and there he was playing with backups guys who were competing for roster spots and he played quite a bit like the entire first half made a nice pick six or not a pick six but a nice interception um we knew he was battling some things in terms of injuries during training camp he missed some time but to actually see him have to go on injured reserve because of whatever this knee injury is like that was surprising so i feel like this is just a a maintenance thing and a long-term maintenance thing. Sure. But at that, at this stage of his career, I don't find it surprising. What, what I find most interesting here is how the rules have changed. So a few years ago, you could not have done this. Um, you know, back when I first started covering the team, when you started covering the team, I'm not even sure if IR to return was a thing yet. I think that was something that was introduced a few years into it. When you went on IR, that Your was season it. was over. Didn't matter if it was before camp, after camp. You were done. I think some fans, some listeners, some watchers on YouTube still remember it that way. So, yeah, Danny Trevathan will play again this season. But here's how it's changed so much. Then, it, then they introduced this one spot, this one IR to return spot, and it could be one player a year. And you had to designate that player when you put him on IR. You had to say, this is our IR to return guy. And then I th- still think they had to sit out eight weeks. I'm going back to when they first started doing this. Um, and then after eight weeks, they could start practicing for up to three weeks. And then you had to make a decision on whether or not you were bringing them back or not. And sometimes they'd come back. Sometimes they wouldn't because you had to make that call so early on, like two months prior that it was sort of a dicey thing. You could only do it with one player. Then they said, all right, well, we'll do it with two players. And then eventually it became, all right, you don't even need to designate them to, I to return you can do it with anybody who's on IR, but you can only do it with up to two players. Now it's just anybody who goes on IR can be back in three weeks. And partly because of COVID. And I think this is going to be around a stick. And I think what is interesting 
is the possibilities it gives you with your roster, the flexibility it gives you with your roster to say, hey, look, you know, a guy's dealing with a nagging thing. We can live without him for three weeks. It's a much longer season. It's important this guy's healthy in December and January. And I think that's what's happening here with Danny Trevathan. It's almost like, not to bring this back to the White Sox, but the White Sox have a couple pitchers right now who they're trying to rest up for the playoffs. Like Carlos Rodon just did a short stint on the injured list. Uh, Lance Lynn has a knee thing right now. He's on the injured list, right? And they're just like, let's give him a break. Get him ready for the playoffs. 15-day DL or something like that. A little bit shorter there. But even you see this sometimes in baseball too, where like a guy just sits out April and half of May, which is pretty much sort of the equivalent of missing three games in football, the percentage of the season that you're missing. And it's always to make sure they're they're ready later on. That's what I think is happening here with Danny Trevathan. I actually liked what I saw from him the other night. I thought he looked pretty fast. So we, I guess we have to take the Bears at their word that nothing else happened. That, But my guess is he came out of that game, just some some soreness. And they reevaluated the situation. They said, hey, look, we kind of have this luxury in how Alec Ogletree showed up. It looks pretty good and can start. So let's just do this. Let's give him a few weeks on IR, see how he rebounds. And in the meantime, Alec Ogletree looks ready. And I don't think they're going to be missing a whole lot. How crazy is Alec Ogletree's story, though, by the way? It's crazy. On the street. Guy's been in the league for a long time, but he's on the street, street free agent, available to sign by anybody. And... He comes to watch uh, Robert Quinn's sister, right, run in the Olympics. And he reconnects with the Bears. They call him a couple days later, and he's on the team. And he starts making all these interceptions. Yeah. What, six and seven days or something like that? By the way, I don't think he's had one since. No. Which <laughs> no, is slightly no. concerning. Yes, but yes. he is a linebacker. Yeah, and some of those were gimmies. Let's be honest. Some <laughs> yeah. of those were gimmies. Um, like... It, I do feel like a lot of the 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 onus on here is on Sean Desai to to make this work because what does this say about the other backups that this guy can just like walk in and immediately become like your best reserve? This says something about Josh Woods and those other guys, but um, obviously special teams value. We have to mention special teams value. You know, you're on this podcast. Um, that's where they fit in. But to, to see that happen, I, I don't know how much he's going to play. Maybe you see a lot of. You know, one linebacker looks with Roquan Smith out there. Maybe the ambush plays up a bit, especially with the Rams and, you know, their their array of different weapons, uh, especially for week one. But definitely a challenge for Sean Desai come week one with Los Angeles, a pretty good team with Matthew Stafford, enhancing that team. Yeah, so, I mean, I I do think that that was was one of the big things that came out in the last couple of days. Um, The other one, I guess, is at wide receiver. What'd you say? <laughs> what, Rodney Adams? Yeah. I was happy for the guy. And like, even when I was saying that, saying that he earned that roster spot, I'm, in the back of my head, I'm like, this guy's going to get waived in like a day or two because you yeah. knew moves were coming. Oh, yeah. And he was the one, he was the most obvious guy that doesn't give you a whole lot on special teams. Earned his spot, like we talked about the other day, but you're still always on the bubble. It's the NFL, man. So, so like, I, I almost immediately regretted saying that, knowing that fact. Um, I did not anticipate two receivers being added, but one has special teams value. One, Brashad Perriman's a, what, a former first-round pick 
with crazy speed. So he brings a little bit more. You, you could tell it's speed was such a goal. Like adding speed was such a goal for the Bears this offseason that it even continued into the waiver wire. I have a problem with that though. And I, I and I've said this a couple of times. Like speed's great, but you still have to be a football player. And like I understand the need to get all this speed. Great. But it seems to me like they got a lot of fast guys, track stars who have not had much success sticking as football players in one place. Like, I know you want to find the next Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill is an amazing route runner who finds a way to get open all the time with that speed. So, sorry, man. Speed's great. I want to see it turn into actual production because that's ultimately what matters. And, and Taylor I don't. Gar- Taylor Gabriel, Gabriel gave you some production as a speed guy. Sure. I but, think Marquise Goodwin has the potential to give you some production as a speed guy. You know what? Sometimes we. Uh, Darnell Mooney's a speed guy. Sometimes this is actually. Don't hate on speed. Sometimes this is simpler than it, or it should be simpler than we make it out to be. How many players do the Bears have that are fantasy viable? And I'm being dead serious. Like, we laugh at fantasy football sometimes because it's not real football. But at the end of the day, those are the good players. Those are the productive players. The ones that you draft in your fantasy league. Okay, who's getting drafted in fantasy leagues right now? Allen Robinson, David Montgomery, and if you're crazy enough to hope that Justin Fields plays sometime soon. Who else? Are you taking Darnell Mooney late rounds? Maybe. Maybe. I think you're definitely... You're talking about like 15, 16 round. But Darnell Mooney's a perfect example. Why is Darnell Mooney good? Why is he promising? Because he showed you from day one, he knew the playbook and knew how to run routes. The speed was great, but he's he looks like Let a football player. Let me tell you something. Player. You're always going to want speed. The game that a- you're going to coach tonight, the best high school teams are also usually also the fastest football teams. I am uh, totally That's agreeing with that. Thing. Yeah. But what, my, what I am saying is speed does not guarantee production. I think you should desire speed. If you're the GM, you should be looking for speed. But when I see Brashad Perriman, who's been on 17 teams in three years, <laughs> not that many, but a lot, and doesn't stick in one spot more than one year other than the team that drafted him that got rid of him before his rookie contract was over, I'm not excited. Sorry. Not excited. You may have all these conversations about Rashad Perriman up in your front office every year, like Ryan Pace said. Why haven't you gone and gotten him earlier? He's available all the time, apparently. Well, I think now, no now he's on your team. I think you need to to temper what you're saying here. It's not no one's I'm expecting t- Rashad Perriman to come out and get a thousand yards this year. They're expecting him to come out and but stretch the field. Are you expecting him. Demir Bird to do that or Marquise Goodwin? That's the point. They just want options. They just want options. And my point is, are the options really options? I mean, Demir Bird. Or are they just guys, which is one of my favorite well, football terms. Well, a lot of these guys are just guys. But you know what? The, I would take Rodney Adams is just a guy. If we're just talking I about agree. this. You know, I agree. I agree. If I'm going to build a roster and I want speed and Rodney Adams had a good camp, yes, that, that's all great and, and well not. But like Brashad Perryman, I just had 505 receiving yards last year for the Jets. A bad Jets team. A year before that. With the Buccaneers, what, 645. So he's produced somewhat. Now, is he a first-round bust? Yeah, probably. But you know what? He's got some production. I'm not expecting him to come in here and get you at 1,200 yards. But if the Bears could sneak away with 350, maybe one deep ball, 
You know, same thing applies to Demir Bird as a slot option. Same thing applies to Marquise Goodwin. You know, I think the accumulation of everything they could do with speed guys together is what you're looking for. You know, I, I think the, the overall point here is that nothing has changed. They have two wide receivers. That's how I look at it. They have two wide receivers and they and and then a bunch of guys that are fast. So, but and this is where <laughs> guys, listen, please. I don't know. We have seen some the Bears fan base get upset over cuts before. I mean, we lived the Daniel Braverman and we lived uh, Tanner Gentry and Dane Sonsenbacher. You know, there are camp favorites and fa- we've we've seen the fan base get upset. I do not know that I've ever seen anything like what would happen with Rodney Adams the other day when when one <laughs> as we're trying to tell you he it's a great story and i also do agree that like if i had a pick between him and brashad perryman and who maybe on a flyer could develop into something i'd probably say hey maybe with rodney adams and his history and what he's gone through and coming out of football and coming back maybe it's a new era and maybe maybe on a flyer he's got more upside than what perryman's shown in his career but First of all, it was obvious he was going to end up back on the practice squad. So as this was unfolding, it was like, just, it's okay. And this goes back to some of the rule changes we were just talking about with IR. Same thing with the practice squad. The practice squad used to be pretty tight, and you couldn't slip guys on on and off relatively easy. Now they literally have two spots so you can pull a guy up on game day. Okay, so it's it's like kind of having like a JV that you have access, a JV team you have access to at all times. Everybody take a deep breath. Rodney Adams is a great story. He's not going to make or break the season. And even if he did get claimed on waivers by a different team the other day, it would not have been the end of the world. I think like I had this tweet typed up, but I deleted it because I feel like people would be. Oh, you know, boo. Like, yeah, like, Send it, it. But I'm not that guy. You know, I'm, I'm not that it. guy. I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy. Um, Sounds like you want to be that guy. Yeah, I'm I'm just going to say it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to say it anyway. Like Daz Newsom, Thomas Graham, Rodney Adams, like they're, they are annual reminders that your favorite training camp player, your favorite underdog story is more than likely going to clear waivers and return. You know, there's always that fear. Oh, he's going to get picked up. I know he's going to get picked up. He's been too good. No, every team in every city has these guys that they feel good about who they have to waive. Yeah. But more likely than not, will end up on your practice squad. Now, there's always a few exceptions to that rule. It does happen. But the odds are immensely in your favor of that player clearing waivers and returning to your team on the practice squad. Yes. That's it. That's all I had. But maybe I should have tweeted it. Should have. That's just facts. Although some guys did get claimed. I mean, no Bears guys. <laughs> but uh, the Bears did claim other players but from other happens, routes. Though. Even like yeah. guys like Charles Snowden, like an outside linebacker with certain measurements that you want with the arm length and potential and, you know, some production a couple of years ago in college. Like, they return. They come yeah. back. Yep. Yeah. Um, I'm burping. Excuse me. 
I have a couple roster concerns, which I'll, I'll get to here in a second. I want to defend myself because I'm getting slandered on Twitter about special teams. And uh, Jesper <laughs> Horstead, Jesper Horstead's 29 snaps that he's had on special teams. Um, that's because he hasn't played in many games. But when he has played 29 snaps, when you consider he's played 115 offensive plays, it's actually a ratio that makes sense. So he can be a good special team. You're about to get ratioed yourself again on, on social media. Um, I didn't even tweet it. I'm getting slandered by other people, namely my I'll, podcast I'll, co-host. Who? You. I'll, I'll say this. I view him as like another version of Ben Broniker, who was a core special teamer for the Bears, but a betting, a betting, a better receiver than Ben Broniker was. Yes. Like Jesper Horstead can make more acrobatic catches, more one-handed catches than a Ben Broniker ever could. Yeah, he'll be more reliable. Yes, he gives you a little bit more of that. Yeah, but yes, he could do some of the things on special teams that Ben Broniker did. Maybe he doesn't want to get run over by the New England Patriots <laughs> and get a punt blocked. But yes, he could do some things that old Broniker could do. Shout out to the uh, Ivy League, since we are now talking about a Harvard tight end versus a Princeton tight end, which. Again, it goes back to this whole what we're talking about. I mean, like the amount of time we're talking about here with guys that are just. So here's a short, here's a spot that I think actually does matter that I'm worried about. Returner. Like they claim Simba Walker. That's his name, right? Let me check. Hold on. Again, Webster. One of the new Simba guys. Webster. Webster. Yes, Simba Webster. I can't. Even... Jesus. Doesn't this whole, it seems a little short-sighted. I mean, they there was a point in training camp where Jordan Lucas was returning punts and was interviewed and said he had never returned punts before in his life. It's desperation. I mean, right the there. fall stinks of desperation. The fall, for, like, how is this your plan? That's what I I want to know. Well, that's why I think it goes back to Cohen. Like, I think they expected him to be ready at this point, but obviously there was some type of setback. Mm-hmm. Now, Matt Nagy wasn't clear on that. He did seem to indicate that there was a cleanup job on his knee. What? what? I, I mean, it's sort of a separate topic, but I don't understand why there needs to be secrecy about this. Just come clean with what's going on. It would actually be more understandable. Obviously, obviously something happened. Obviously. So there's the setback in the plan, change in plan. They threw Demir Beard out there in Nashville, right? But remember that one day in camp? I think it was the Dolphins day where it was windy. That storm had just come through, and they put everybody back there. It was like started as two guys, and there's four. It was guys. like a tryout. Like Ten guys back there, and it was windy as hell because that storm just came through, and none of these guys were catching the ball. Like I think Khalil Herbert's going to be your your number one return man on kickoffs, but the punt returner job. I think it's a tryout process that's going to go into the regular season. I just think it's. This has been around. Remember, like. Anthony Miller got a run at punt returner a couple of games. Yeah. Yeah. There goes the headphone. Well, it's well, hey, look, this was a real problem last year. I mean, and that's kind of my point. I mean, you had Ted Ginn Jr. out there who was like unwilling to catch a punt. Remember that? Remember that like four game stretch where he couldn't. I don't know if he like didn't want to field them. Didn't want to field them. Just had no interest in catching the ball. And that was the middle of last season. I just don't. 
even if your plan was to have Tariq Cohen back by now, he's coming off an ACL. He got hurt on a punt return. You need to have more than one option. And I think it's been pretty obvious from the first day at camp that he wasn't going to be ready for the regular season. He was like not even jogging. I this this to me well, this is you put your special teams coordinator hat on. Not that not that it ever leaves your head these days, but like, what would you do? Like, what would what would you have done? In the beginning of camp, because you don't see a lot of special teams work. Let, let's be honest. Special teams work is extremely limited in the real practice time afforded in the schedule. Yeah. Well, I would have I would have come up with a better option in the offseason. I would have um you know, I, I think even a kick return, like they're banking so much on Khalil Herbert right now. And I still think he has to prove a lot. I, th- I think they lost a lot with Cordell Patterson. Granted, he wasn't the punt returner, but there had to be better options. And I understand that they were so stuck up against the cap that they, you know, that's why they had to cut Charles Leno Jr. I get that. But it's not just this spot. It is left tackle too. They, be- they put all their chips in on a rookie that had back problems in college last year. Okay. Even if these are new symptoms, that was risky. And now you have 39 year old Jason Peters, who I have major concerns can even get through a whole game. And I think that's fair based on what we've seen. Um, Corner. All this competition and it's still unsure who's going to be out there in week one. Your competition at cornerback was so so bad that you were <laughs> able to cut the guy and then cut one of the guys in that competition and Artie Burns even Mark who is it Marquis Christian got cut too yeah they he brought them both, and then they too, brought right? them both back the next day yes. yes like those were your competitors for Kendall Vildor a cornerback and Duke Shelley at Nickelback for good duration of training camp. And you were able to cut them and bring them back. I think that speaks volumes of the potential problem looming at that position. They may like where Kendall Vildor is. They may like the spunk and, and energy and anger that he plays with. But he's still got to make plays. He still can't get beat. The Rams are going to go after him like immediately. <laughs> In Los Angeles, immediately. Forget Jalen Johnson. Jalen Johnson may get like two targets the entire game. Kildale Vildor is going to be very busy. Very, very busy. Yeah, it's... Uh, I, I just I, These are just real concerns I have going into the season. And multiple spots, I just... I, I think what... I think what the problem is I'm trying to get at is they've been obvious for a while now. Like basically since the start of the offseason. You knew they were probably going to make a change at tackle or try to. You knew they needed help at corner. You knew the return situation was a problem, especially if they were going to lose Cordero Patterson. Um, now, I will say the one thing I do like about Simba Webster picking him up is he's also a gunner, and that was a concern of mine because you lost both gunners, and the punt coverage has been awful. So maybe he can help you there too. And, and so I don't hate that. I'm not trying to hate on that move. I actually think from a special team standpoint, it's smart, but it's – these things are just speaking to larger problems that haven't been fixed in the off season. And I think that's, what's concerning going into the season. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs is the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. Because when you're looking for a job, Hogan Johns fans, you want the best experience possible. No questions left to answer and sketchy websites to navigate around. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. And over 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Adam. That's linkedin.com slash Adam to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right. Well, speaking of one of these problems, uh, Ryan Pace talked to the media uh, the, the other day on Wednesday. And, um, I was not there because I had a wisdom tooth taken out, which was fun. Uh, I'm good to go now, but I was not there. I did go back and watch it. I've heard all the audio. I've heard all the complaints about all the audio. Uh, you were there though, John, you had some questions in, uh, I want to talk about two specific things instead of like kind of just break it down the whole podcast or press conference. The, I did find the uh, Tevin Jenkins stuff to be inter- both interesting, mostly honest, and I think optimistic in a good way. Like I, like I might actually be buying the optimism. Do you feel differently? I just the the fact that he it, it, it sounded I'm far from a doctor or a back expert, but something was pinching a nerve that was causing pain down his leg. Yes, yes. And and that was the most revealing answer that Ryan Pace gave that day. And like, I I had to ask that question, Mm -hmm. pat myself on the back a little bit here. Like, he kept using the word symptoms. I'm like, well, Ryan, what the heck are the symptoms? Like, what's he feeling? And I I think him saying that helped at least illustrate how this could be potentially different than the issues that Jenkins had with his back in college. But and you get an idea of potentially what type of surgery he had that, you know, there's, there's something going on that, you know, upset the nerves in his leg, his right leg. And like when, when Pace answered it, he actually used his right hand to, to go down his right leg to illustrate where, you know, that generally gives you a sense of where the pain is for Tevin Jenkins. But I thought that was probably the most detail that Pace provided by it in any topic that day. Yeah. And it, he said that the, it, based on what he said, if you believe everything, these that pain went away pretty much immediately after the surgery. So I, I thought that that provided some optimism for a return this season. I mean, this again goes back to why, why I don't understand. When teams are reluctant to answer questions, to me, it just casts more doubt. 
like if if he had said nothing and like really been like ah yeah you know we'll just have to wait and see like i would have been like well i don't know if he's coming back this year but he gave some specifics i it sounds to me like as long as those symptoms stay the way they are he could be back this season specifics lead to clarity yes i don't know why it's so hard sometimes but it is what it is um and I know sometimes fans get tired of us complaining about it, but like I think this is a perfect example of where it helped the fans maybe feel a little bit better about well, the I, situation. Do you remember how excited some fans were about this guy? Yes. Like fans wanted this guy in the first round. They got him in the second. Fans yes. were pumped. And they still they yeah. Not I, I, I will say that I do think it's um I do think it's good the Bears have two young options. And Larry Borum and Tevin Jenkins, assuming Jenkins can come back in the season. Like, so I, if, if I was being unfair about one thing that we just went through with some of the positions of sort of just standing pat, like I should give Ryan Pace, I should give the Bears credit for at least getting a couple of young guys in the pipeline there. Um, that I'm still relatively optimistic about Jenkins if this back thing doesn't turn out to be a chronic issue throughout his career, which is a big if, but. And I, I like what I've seen from Larry Borum. Yeah, so, I was going to say, like speaking of like annual reminders, here's my annual reminder that I'm no offensive line expert. I always try to get opinions from like Olin Krutz, you know, friend of the show. Like, try to to mold my opinions on players that way. But from what I've seen from Larry Borum, the Bears may have something there. Like all the stuff they're talking about. You know, oh, we had these, you know, higher grades. I know we were lucky to get them in the fifth round. I know that could be like, th- those could be comments that make you roll your eyes because look at Riley Ridley, best guy on their board in the fourth round. Yeah. He just got cut, didn't get picked up. Um, that's the story there. But from what I've seen from Borum in the preseason and practice, like the guy that can move, the guy's got some athleticism. He's got good feet. All the stuff that they say about offensive line play seems to, to be there. Yeah. All the good things I should say about offensive line play. So we'll see. I mean, if Jason Peters, you know, is struggling to get through a whole game, if he's, you know, I don't know, then maybe Borum gets out there. Maybe you give him a chance. So uh, still kind of a dicey situation. It's risky to put so much faith in rookies, but, you know, maybe there's some optimism there. Uh, After all that talk about Tevin Jenkins, forgot to play the audio. So here's what Ryan Pace had to say about Tevin Jenkins. And uh, then we'll switch to the quarterbacks. Tevin officially winds up there. There's been a, a bit of a lack of clarity on exactly when it happened, how it happened, what it happened. What can you shed light on in terms of what his situation is? Exactly. So um, when he showed up for training camp, he was sort of experiencing different symptoms than he, than he ever had in college. So we kind of worked through that. We tried to kind of go through all the, the natural processes. We went through that. At the end of the day, it did require a surgery. Um, it was a common surgery. The good thing about it, as soon as we did it, those symptoms went away. So we feel good about it. There's a reason why we waited to put him on IR till today. Yeah. Gives us a possibility to bring him back For, at some point this season. From what you learned and what you've been told, the nature of his injury that required the surgery was different than what he experienced last year? Yeah, so we, we knew everything about his back coming out along with I mean, everybody knew. You know, we, we were strict with our medical through all that. So it was just the symptoms that he had was totally different than he ever experienced before. So there were new symptoms. Um, we worked through it, and this was the end conclusion. And the good thing is, Guys, just because he had back surgery doesn't mean he's not going to have a good NFL career. We're excited about the player, 
excited about where he's heading. You now we feel like we fixed the problem. Ryan, even if you don't see that as a pre-existing condition, is it possible that other teams kind of red, red flagged him as a pre-existing condition? Is that maybe why he dropped from the first round to the second round in the draft? Yeah, I think, Mark, like we were, we've always been really strict with our medical, probably more strict than ever this past year, especially with, with COVID and some of the restrictions that we had. So we, were, we took a ton of guys off our board for medical, medical and character this past year. So we knew all about it. Um, we were comfortable with it. And, and again, this is something, the symptoms were way different and we feel like the issue's fixed and hopefully it's something he can come back from this year. So we're excited about him going forward. And we feel like the problem's solved. But do you think other teams saw it differently and maybe that's the reason why he went from the first round into the second when it was available there? Um, you know, I, I'm not sure on that. I'm not sure what other teams did. You know, it, obviously when we go through the draft, we not only have our medical information, we share medical information with a lot of teams. And I can just tell you a lot of teams felt comfortable. Ryan, what were some of those symptoms that you're talking about? Without getting into details, Adam, you know, he started having some pain down his leg, I think just from the nerve. And so when you when you had the surgery, I think it can alleviate that symptom and, and in fact it already has. So he's he's in a really good place right now and it's now it's just positive steps going forward. All right, so you kind of heard our analysis there already on what Ryan Pace had to say about Tevin Jenkins. So you heard some of the details there, and uh, I guess we'll just have to see where it goes. He has to miss a minimum of three games. I think it's probably going to be more than that obviously he's got a lot of work to do he missed all training camp but um we'll see if tevin jenkins does join the team maybe provide some reinforcements later on in the year now i think as we talk about tevin jenkins potentially helping later in the year talking about danny trevathan getting this maintenance time so he's healthy later in the year how good are the bears going to be later in the year for this stuff to matter and i think that's where it comes back to the quarterback spot This is a tough schedule. The Bears have one of the toughest schedules in the league, if not the toughest, depending on what metrics you look at. And it's going to be a challenge. I I think it would be a challenge for Justin Fields out there right now, too. So uh, I'm. I almost feel more confused than ever about how good this team might actually be or not be. I could see it. Like last year, I felt pretty confident. Like this is not a team that's going to go four and twelve. I almost had the door open a little bit more to something like that unfolding this year. If enough of the older players end up getting hurt, and enough of the younger players don't contribute or take those jumps, like there's a wide range of things that can happen in any football season. That gap between the older side of the roster and the younger side, it, where it's unproven is getting bigger and bigger, I feel like. And the one thing to me that can bridge that gap is just the fields. And I just wonder, as Andy Dalton's playing, what this is all going to look like. I'm honestly confused. I don't know. I'm intrigued to see it. I'm not optimistic about going up against the Rams in week one with this situation. But can you beat the Bengals? Can you beat the Browns? Maybe. Can you stay afloat around 500? I don't know, but... They're going ahead with Andy Dalton, which was the next thing I wanted to get to from Ryan Pace. Why do you think starting a backup won't derail that progress that he's made and not getting the same amount of reps will change anything? You know, I just feel like we're in a, Dion, we're just in a good position with, with Andy. You know, like, like we, it, it starts with how we, do, how we feel about Andy, and we're very confident in him and where he's at. So there's no need for us to rush Justin. Ryan, if, if Justin is the, is the future of the franchise at quarterback and the coach is saying – He's ready to play. How is it not in the best interest in the long term of the franchise to start the process of Justin playing and learning? 
because we feel Andy's in a good place too. You know what I mean? So it'd, it'd be different if we if we didn't feel that way. We feel Andy's in a good spot too. Like we're we're confident in Andy. And there's there's a lot of things Andy with Andy. I know we've talked about it before, but his experience. He's won a lot of games in this league. His decision making, his intangibles, his leadership, all the things that he's doing. There's there's so many veteran players that have come up to me and made comments about Andy Dalton and what he's doing in, in practices, in the locker room, in the huddle. All those little things that I think we're going to see pay off as we get into the season. So it's it's more about Andy right now. We're excited about Justin. We're I'm more excited than anybody. Uh, but you know, we're just going to let this thing play out. Ryan, Ryan when, when you brought in Justin, the, what we heard was that you guys were going to know when Justin's ready. By all indications, it seems that you're confident in where Justin is. Is it wrong to think this seems to be setting up for whenever Andy isn't ready? Like, is it setting him up to, to fail in this spot? You know, I think we'll know when we know, you know, right now. You know, right now, like, I, I think we, we have a positive outlook. And that positive outlook goes off of what we've seen here every day with, with Andy. And that's Andy going to be leading our offense as Justin's progressing at the right rate. You know, our goal all along, guys, has been to win games with Andy and look over on that other field and see and look look, look at this guy we got right here. Look at, look at the future of this franchise that we have right here. That's the goal, and we haven't changed from that. I think everything he said about Andy Dalton was to be expected. I don't think, like, I don't know what you want, like, for people criticizing what Ryan Pace was saying, I don't know what your expectations were, what you were anticipating, <laughs> like, what you wanted to hear, but like, you know what, you know, we, we messed up. We should have gone after Andy Dalton last year, even though he was on the Bengals still. And maybe we should have traded for him and brought him in last year. You know, like, I, I don't... I don't know what people are looking for. Um, I think there's there's been a stubbornness to the Bears' plan that have been that's been pretty apparent from the get go. Like it, it became pretty obvious to me that after that first preseason game, when Justin Fields did not see an increase, significant increase in opportunity with Allen Robinson, Jimmy Graham, Cole Komet, Darnell Mooney, that this was still going to be Andy Dalton's show at least in the early going for this season. So, of course, he's going to talk up his guy. And truth be told, like, Andy Dalton never had one of those awful days at camp where you're like, holy moly, this is going to be disastrous. Like, I had those feelings when Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky had some bad days of practice. I had some concern when Andy Dalton had to get out of the pocket in the preseason. Like, oh, that doesn't look good. That's not going to work. But Andy Dalton's not here to do that. Um He's here to make quick decisions and be with some of the better players, and they weren't on the field with him. So we'll see what happens, but he's just a placeholder, right? Like, I'm rambling here, but that's that's the whole point of this. He's just got to be a capable placeholder until they deem Justin Fields ready, whatever, the, whatever that definition of ready is. I, look, I have some sympathy for this being a tough situation that – you have a fan base that's just so hungry to have a star quarterback because they've never really seen it. Okay. But I think where fans and probably some reporters and media um, start to get, I, I would even almost use the word borderline insulted in some cases is when these guys, and it's not just the bears, it's, it's, personnel guys, coaches, they do this all the time. They hype up guys that I mean, Bill, Bill Belichick does it every week with his opponent. He talks up, he'll, he'll, he'll probably uh, 
Um, I don't know. They're not playing the Bears this year, but if they were, he'd probably go on a 500 word answer about Kindle Vildor and how great he is right on tape. You know, like it's so it's, but just don't make Andy out to be what he's not. Like, I think that's part of the problem. I mean, this was a guy. Are they I, though? Are they though? Well, I don't know. Like I, when, I, when you like, get asked a question about Justin Fields and then you answer it with how happy you are about Andy Dalton. And by the way, I'll give Matt Nagy credit. I don't think Matt's doing that. Matt's answering questions about Justin. Oh, oh pace pivoted. Yes. He, he, he. That's the problem. Like, yes. and you made this point last week, I think. If Andy Dalton is this awesome professional that you keep talking about, then he can handle this. Does it suck a little bit? Yes. Is it easy? No. But he can handle it. Yeah. He just saw Joe Burrow take his job in Cincinnati, right? They were done with him. He was Dak Prescott's backup in, in Dallas. He can handle this. Yes. I, eventually, he is going to handle that. He's, he's going to have to. I, 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 but don't don't try to sell. I think what they are, whether they're not going into specifics about how great Andy Dalton might be, they are talking him up. And they are trying to sell this idea that they can win. Of, they can go through a full 17-game season, whether we believe that's realistic or not. They keep trying to hint at that, that they they believe they can go through a full season without playing Justin Fields and be competitive and win football games. And I just went through all the concerns on the rest of the roster. I just, it, it seems a little disingenuous, yeah, doesn't it? I, I think our, our, our good friend Mark Potash from the Sun-Times brought up a good point the other day. Um, it's not so much that Justin Fields isn't ready. I think we can all agree that he looks close to ready. You think he's absolutely ready. Yeah, I do. I, I think he's close to being ready where maybe that readiness comes more to fruition with actual gameplay. That's that's where I'm at. Like that's, He's going to get better through actually playing. Um, he made the point, well, Fields may be ready. The offense isn't ready for him. And... I could see, well, oh, well, Justin Fields is supposed to raise the level of play of the players around him. And I, I strongly believe that Justin Fields did that. That's why Rodney Adams became such a fan favorite. It's because Justin freaking Fields yeah. <laughs> threw some perfect dimes to him and gave him opportunities to make plays in camp and the preseason. It's Justin Fields. It starts there. Um, but at the same time, you still want to help your young quarterback as much as you can. You still have an offensive line with a 39-year-old left tackle who got here like yesterday. <laughs> who was fishing, got the call to play, went through COVID protocols, and now he's your starting left tackle. You still need to get certain players situated, like Jermaine Effetti. He missed, like, how many days of camp? Now he's your Most starter. Of it. Yeah, you need that offensive line to figure itself out. Like, I get that Justin Fields, his ability to escape the pocket, ability to run, enhances the entire offense, but at the same time, you still want to help that quarterback as much as you can. So I'm on board with Potsy's idea. I think that's a great way to look at this. Andy Dalton's got to be that placeholder while things come to. <laughs> things are resolved around him, whether it's Demir Bird setting in that slot, you know, Marquise Goodwin finding his role as that down the field threat. You know, Brashad Perriman getting acclimated. Your guy, you know, Perriman, we're going to call him your guy, by the way, now. Um, you know, Mooney taking that next step. Cole Komet taking that next step. It, it's all those things coming into play. I know you're, you don't like this idea. Because well, here's the I, I, thing. You just listed like 10 things. Yeah. That's and fine. maybe that's one of them will actually happen. Well, some of them have to happen. Is it actually up front? I'm starting to lose my mind with this in general because I just, 
how how much more obvious can it be that Justin Fields is the cheat code? That he's the guy that makes all this happen. It could not be any more but obvious. You, you can't get behind the idea that you still want to give him the best chance to succeed by having things being in better places around him. I'm playing <sighs> devil's advocate a little a little bit because no, I, I know, but how? Yeah. What more evidence do you need to see from this scheme now? Three seasons in into year four. That any of the stuff that you're talking about. Now, I'll give you Cole Komet. I think Cole Komet will be better. Uh, I think David Montgomery is going to be better. I think David Montgomery is going to be better too, but then who's blocking in front of him, right? Are, there, are, there, are those holes going to be open? I mean, there's a ceiling on Jermaine Effetti, and we may have actually seen the best of Jermaine Effetti at tackle in the last seven games of last season when he gave up one pressure. And oh, by the way, that one pressure cost him the game against the Lions. You know, like that's probably the ceiling. What's the ceiling on Jason Peters? Oh, I think that ceiling was a long time ago, but... Oh, but I guess what I'm saying is, what is actually going to happen that all of a sudden is, makes this situation perfect for Justin Fields? Uh, no, I'm not saying it has to be perfect, but you still try to... You should try to... You, you should still try to make it better. I'm playing devil's advocate here. Well, let me play Justin devil's Fields advocate playing, to, yeah. the, to the advocate. What if it's worse? Because I think that's a possibility that needs to be explored. What if it's halftime in week one and you have three points? What if it's halftime? Well, that's also in, a very realistic scenario because of who you're playing. What if it's halftime in week two at Soldier Field? The whole crowd is booing because you have three points against the Bengals after only scoring seven or eight total against the Rams in week one. Like See, now you have a problem on your hands. And don't you think I hate to say it. Booed. What I'm painting right now, and this is maybe the most negative I've ever been on this podcast in the seven years we've been doing it. I think my scenario is more realistic than the 10 things you listed off that are suddenly yeah, going to get better. Probably right. Probably right. But then you're looking at. And what fixes it all? Yeah. The quarterback. Yeah. Well, you know what, though? Joe Burrow is a perfect example of him not fixing it. True. Although I would. As much as I just shit on everything about the Bears, I think the Bears situation's <laughs> better than what Joe Pearl was dealing with in Cincinnati. Oh, it's a like, fair point, well, though. But that's also you know the, the coaching comes into play. You can't have your young quarterback drop back and throw forty freaking passes a game. Yeah, that was stupid. And Joe Burrow can't run a four four too. You're not. That makes a huge a, difference. You're not putting him in a situation to exactly succeed. There's all sort of nuance and arguments that can be made here, but. I just think the inevitable is going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know if it's a halftime next week. I don't know if it's in week 12. And if the inevitable does happen, and I do think it will happen, that's why it's called the inevitable, um, Andy Dalton should be good with it. Because you know what? When the inevitable does happen, it's also because the inevitable of Andy Dalton failing has already happened as well. But actually, here's where I'll defend Andy a little bit. I don't even know if it's his fault. Like I think they're almost putting him in position to fail. Well, I don't think Andy Dalton could win. Which gets back to my original point. Like this was a guy who there was a reason why the Bengals wanted to move on from him and get a young quarterback like Joe Burrow, which to the credit they managed to do. And then the trade market last year was like, who wanted Andy Dalton last year? He ended up signing a decent one-year contract with the, with the Cowboys, but like that market wasn't hot. Well, the bears had already made their decision at that point too. They traded draft capital for Nick Foles. Which tells you what they thought about Andy Dalton a year ago. So, I come on. It, it's 
Andy Dalton is not going to be the thing that suddenly makes Matt Nagy's offense work in year four. And I think that's where I totally side with some of the fans and media that are sitting there listening to some of the stuff that comes out of these press conferences. And it's like, come on, we're not that stupid. Not that stupid. Just not. So stop trying to sell that. If you want to sell, sell that Justin Fields isn't ready and needs more time. Fine. But don't tell the fans that you're a legitimate competitor without Justin Fields on the field. I th- I think that's disingenuous. I think I think Potash's argument is the best one that could be made for why they're gonna be patient with Justin Fields, given what Justin Fields has already shown us in the preseason. To your point about Matt Nagy's offense, Justin Fields is like Patrick Mahomes in a sense where he can make plays that transcend the offense. See what I'm saying about that? Some of the Chiefs' biggest plays are made when they're improvised, when the actual play itself doesn't work, but all of a sudden Mahomes is on the move, and he is deadly when he's on the move because that's when the scramble rules kick in, and he's got some of the best players at their respective positions to help him out. Like Justin Fields fits that. Like it's that Jesper Horstead touchdown against Nashville. It's yeah. the scrambling Against the Bills. It's some of the things he did against the Dolphins, especially come uh, when they practice. Like he he can make the plays that transcend the offense. That can make any offensive coordinator look good. Because when plays break down, they always do. When the reads aren't there and everybody's covered and plays have to be made, Justin Fields has that ability to transcend that play call and give you that play. And I, and I think that's the point I'm trying to make. It's like, let's just not ignore that the scheme, the scheme is still unproven. The offense is still, well, really unproven. They, they're, they're average 26 in, in yards per play over the last three years. Okay. And Andy Dalton isn't going to be the thing that fixes that. That all of a sudden, like we talked about earlier, maybe they move up to 20, 19, 18, like maybe. But that's still not going to be good enough to beat the Packers in the NFC North. I mean, what are we talking about here? You need a transcendent talent. And that guy's going to be. We don't know if that's going to if that's going to happen with Justin, but it could. And we're not going to know if he's sitting on the bench. I think that's the problem. So and by the way, I say this. I have been open minded to this Andy Dalton transition. happening. I, I was never on board with the whole season. But I have been on board. The problem here is Justin has exceeded my own expectations. I did not expect to write the 10 reasons why Justin Fields is ready now after three preseason games. I really did not come into camp with that as a predetermined bias. I, I he, has, he has forced that on me with what I've seen from him. So I want to make that perfectly clear. And uh, I think there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic. Can I say, like, it's more than just the preseason especially with, with, with me here. I know yeah. I just played Desville Advocate a little bit earlier, but like the practices that he had against the Dolphins, first one was so-so, second one was exceptional. It's when he had three touchdown passes and the rushing yeah. touchdown in the red zone drill, where things are a little bit, they're, they're, they're less vanilla, where he was blitz. One of those touchdowns was on a blitz by the Dolphins. He went to his, um, his outlet almost immediately for a walk-in touchdown. There's growth right there. Like it's it's the things we've seen in practice, especially some of those joint practices that second day against the, the Dolphins. Randy Dalton's first team offense struggled. 
but Justin Fields, he performed against some of those same Dolphins starters significantly better. I'll use the word significantly because it just it, it looked that way, especially when you score four touchdowns in the red zone. So it's just more than the preseason. I get it's vanilla. Um, I get it's just a lot of man coverage, but a lot of what we've seen in training camp, you know, leads us to our opinions on Justin Fields being ready right now. You're more, you think he's more ready than I do, but I only think for me, the next step is that game action. All right. Well, next week will be a game week. We'll break it down. Be here Tuesday. We'll be here uh, Thursday with our usual game preview. We'll have a Rams guest. Oh, yeah. A Rams guest on. I forget. Do we do those on Tuesdays or Thursdays? Thursdays, I think. Yeah, I don't remember. We'll have Kent on it. We got to get back in game mode ourselves here. Um, but yeah, we will. Uh, we'll have this this whole thing broken down for you next week. We will be in LA. We will be back on the road this season. We will have podcasts from the road. Looking forward to that, and um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I mean, all the stuff we're talking about, it'll eventually play itself out on the field, and we'll have actual tape to look at and tell you. Maybe Andy will exceed all of our expectations. Maybe he'll blow us away. It would be a great story if he did. It is nothing personal against him at all. And I think he has handled this completely as well as he possibly could have. And enough that, like, that's a guy you want to root for. That's a guy you want to see have success and prove a lot of people wrong. So for his sake, I hope that happens. But I also think that, like, there's just a realistic way to, to, to look at some of this. And, uh, and that's kind of where we are. So. We've seen enough of Andy Dalton. The NFL has seen enough of Andy Dalton to know what's coming. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we got to get out of here. Um, I definitely got to get out of here. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue. That's me. Good luck Fo- tonight, man. Thanks. Got to gotta shift into game mode right now. Carmel Lake Forest tonight. We'll see how it goes. Love it. Uh, I know these kids are just dying to get out on the field after we went through last week. And um, and we'll see. we'll see how it all plays out. But I'm excited for it. So, uh, all right. He's on Twitter at Adam Johns. You can read him on The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns, where you go to subscribe. You can read me at NBCSportsChicago.com. Find us on YouTube. Find our T-shirts on ObviousShirts.com. We love them as our partners. And we will next time we talk to you, it'll be officially game. Looking forward to it. See ya. Justin Fitz.